Thank you for that. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles tonight and open up to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I'd just like to use one or two verses here as a starting point for us. Um, we want to take a look at the bizarre world of the crooks and legalized swindlers that are in the world today with uh, the idea of uh, learning something so we can protect ourselves. Um, the world is not a friendly place. And our Lord Jesus, knowing this, uh, said in verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And down in verse 20, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Now I'd like to uh, begin with a, a little definition before we pray. When I uh, use the word crook, what I'm referring to is a dishonest person that will use guile or trickery in order to obtain your money or something that belongs to you. I use this term crook to mean illegal thievery. Their schemes are illegal. They work outside of the protection of the law. They mainly will work in darkness and secret, but when they work in public, they make themselves to look honest and innocent. A swindler is a cheat who commits fraud in order to obtain your money. I use the term swindler to mean legal thievery. Believe it or not. Legal thievery. They work in public and they put forth believable schemes in order to get what you have. Their schemes are often barely legal and they work actually under the protection of the law. They use loopholes in the law in order to rob people of their money. No one wants to be robbed or cheated. Whether it's legal thievery or illegal thievery, the bottom line is we lose. And no one likes a thief, not even another thief. And so tonight we're going to visit the den of thieves and see what we can learn in order to protect ourselves from them. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father... Truly, we are often like sheep among the wolves. We ask you, Lord, for wisdom. Help us, Lord, to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Please, Lord, speak with our hearts tonight as we look at this subject. It's an unusual one for us, and yet it's one that's in the Bible, and we need to examine it. And so please, Lord, speak to us and make us stronger, stronger for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's begin tonight by taking a look at the uh, swindlers. The swindlers. Now, swindlers come in all shapes and sizes and colors. The, sometimes they come as strangers. Sometimes they'll come as friends. Sometimes they come as professional people. Sometimes even trusted individuals. But they all seem to have this in common. They promise us something for nothing or something for very little. That tends to be their scheme, and they operate within the law. 
In order for swindlers to be successful, their victims need to be something and have something. I'll say that again. In order for the scheme of the swindler to work, the victim needs to be something and have something. What are those two things? Number one, the victim needs to be gullible. The victim must be gullible. That means easy to be fooled. Number two, the victim needs to have either a desire to help other people. Oh, look at those poor people over there. I want to do something to help them. Or they need to have a desire to help themselves. Boy, I want to get ahead in life. I don't want to end up like maybe my parents did. I want to get all of the good things and I don't want to wait till I'm old to get them either. And so in order for the swindler scheme to work, the victim has to have two things. Number one, they have to be gullible. Number two, they have to have a desire to help others or to help themselves. Now, give you an example. Back in 1997, over in the uh, country of Albania, the Albanians had come out of communism and they were experiencing their first fruits of democracy after having been liberated from communism. Because of all of the years that they'd been under the communist regime, the, the Albanian people had not been exposed to many of the Western business practices, either legitimate or fraudulent. And that's when some devious swindlers introduced a Ponzi scheme to Albania. Now you say, a Ponzi scheme. Now that's an interesting word. What is a Ponzi scheme? Well, the idea is, the, it's all named after a guy named Ponzi. And it was a brilliant idea. What he did was he went to the, the first person and said, uh, listen, invest $1,000 uh, with me and I will reinvest it and you will get 10% return per month. And the guy says, wow, okay. And so he did that. And so then Ponzi went to the second person and said the same thing. And the guy says, okay, and he now has 2,000. He goes back to the first guy that gave him 1,000 and gives him 100 bucks from the guy that gave him the second thousand. Say, here's your dividend. And the guy says, wow. And then maybe he'll say, well, here's another thousand for you. Okay, I'll invest that too. Meanwhile, he goes to the third person. Meanwhile, these two people now start making converts. It's called a Ponzi scheme. You get money, you just keep passing money down to these victims and they think they're getting dividends. And meanwhile, the Ponzi is becoming a millionaire. That's a Ponzi scheme. That's, now, there's variations on it, but that's in a nutshell. That's kind of the idea of the Ponzi scheme. Swindlers came into Albania and introduced a Ponzi scheme. And it was, of course, a pyramid type of money-making scheme. Listen to this. Hundreds of thousands of Albanians participated thinking they're going to get rich quickly. When the nation was saturated, well, that's the end of the game. When, when there's no more people to bring in. The last people finally realized that, that they had nobody to collect money from, and finally the pyramid collapsed, as it always does. At that point, thousands and thousands of people went on a rampage. Anarchy broke out across the country. Civil war began, and over 2,000 people died as a result of it back in 1997. 
The people were naive and somehow they felt that they could get rich without really working simply by investing in this devious pyramid scheme. How did the swindlers manage to be so successful in Albania? Number one, unfortunately, the Albanians were gullible. Number two, the Albanians had a desire to help themselves. And voila, the swindler scheme worked like a charm. Now, let's get into modern living. Uh, we're talking about swindlers. People, individuals, groups, companies, businesses that operate within the law. And yet really, wow, it's immoral what they do. And sad to say, but credit card companies fall into this category. They promise us, here's what happens. Now, the credit card companies are not in business for us. They're in business for themselves. That's why they're in business. They promise us fast money, lots of money. And in return, they just give us a very low monthly payment. Okay? But even $1,000 on your credit card, and the average is about 19.99% interest. That's your credit card interest rate. Just take $1,000, do the math, just paying minimal payments, minimal payments, and it'll take you 11 years to pay off that $1,000. Meanwhile, you will have paid almost twice what that original amount was. So by taking 1000 over 11 years, you're giving them back almost $2,000. Now you consider that many people have $5,000 and more on their credit card, and they're making minimal payments of maybe $200 or $400 a month, something like that. You think of that. And uh, in 11 years' time... They'll, that $5,000 will have now cost them $10,000, almost $10,000. It's not quite, but it's in that neighborhood. Now, that's scary, folks. That's a lot of interest. Do you know what the maximum interest allowable in Canada is? You know what the law says that they can charge up to companies? Do you know what it is? How many think it's 25%? Two hands. How about 30%? Anyone would go 30%? All right. Do I hear 40? Any 40s here? 40%? 40% interest? Does anyone here pay 40% interest? You'd say, wow, that's like loan sharking. That's like old Luigi and his baseball bat comes after you, you know. 50%? The Canadian law allows um, up to 60% interest charged. Now, you may as well put the gun to your head. I was watching a, um, a little YouTube by a professional accountant. His area of expertise is in bankruptcy, and he helps people through bankruptcies. And he gave this talk, and he talked about credit cards, and he said, they're not your friend, they're your enemy. He said that um, when he has someone come in his office, now listen to this, and he sees that what they owe on a credit card is equal to their yearly income, he says, it's game over. He says, let's get out the paperwork and put their name in. They're going bankrupt. They, 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 are, they are over the cliff. They're, 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 there's no hope. And he works with people like that who manage to rack up that much on several multiple credit cards. Some people think it's fashionable to be able to pull out a big string of credit cards. He says, it's not. The maximum number of cards that you should have is two. 
That's in case one goes bad. One gets locked up or lost or something like that, then you've always got a backup. But he says, if you have a credit card, you pay it off every month. If you can't pay it off every month, don't use a credit card. He advocates cash. We need to go back to a cash society. We do. But it's not business-wise these days. It's not handy. It's not convenient. And so we, we all use this electronic form of transferring funds. But credit cards are a trap, is what they are. Now, another trap, another, if you ask me, swindle, is payday loans. Payday loans. Oh, but pastor, there are some people that just can't. They gotta. No, they don't. <laughs> That's why we have a great, big, wonderful God. Payday loans are another swindle. Now, in British Columbia, because this thing is regulated province by province, in BC, a payday lender can charge 15% of the principal. And if the borrower misses the payback date, the lender can charge an additional 30% on the outstanding principal. Now, up until this year, payday lenders were allowed to charge even more than that. But in 2018, the government brought them down a few notches. Here's another swindle, if you ask me. Don't pay a cent for a year. Don't pay for a year events. Uh, furniture companies, electronic companies, and so on will offer these things. You say, well, what's wrong with those? Well, they sound good, don't they? But you know, a lot of people miss that pay date. They say, don't pay for a year. Oh, wow. So you get the appliances and the furniture and all these things, just bang, get them. And then you got a whole year. See, my, my money is going to sit there and just make interest. And then, you know, on the last day, I'll walk in and pay it off. That's what you think. That's the plan. But in reality, you know what happens? People miss that pay and the pay say, well, really, how many? From what I've read, it's something like over 20%, 20 to 25% maybe, of people who buy these, don't pay for a year, they miss that payback date. Then what happens? Then the fine print kicks in. The fine print kicks in. And the fine print, uh, if you miss the full payment date after one year, you can owe enormous fees, huge amounts of money you have to pay. I say, how much? Uh, often it's up to 30%, like a third. Imagine that. You're paying a whole third more as a penalty. Whew. Man, to me, that's a swindle. That's not right. Uh, now, sometimes stock market investments are also a swindle. From 1995 to the year 2000, there were the high-tech dot-com company stocks that burned through hundreds of millions of investors' dollars and brought the stock market down to a crashing loss in the spring of the year 2000. That's a horrible investment. To me, that's just one more way of, of uh, legalized swindling people from their money. Something that shocked me about a year ago or two years ago, I learned that some mortgages, you go to the bank to buy a, a house, you get a mortgage, some mortgages can have swindlous terms and exorbitant fees attached to them. A couple of years ago, an expose was done on all of the big banks in Canada that were selling uh, mortgage life insurance. So you sit down in front of the bank, 
mortgage expert and he does your paperwork and he says, now, do you want to buy life insurance for this? In case you die, then, you know, your, uh, your family doesn't have to, uh, they won't be saddled with, with these hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, it'll be paid off. And there's no medical. You just fill out this paper and check, 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 and, and you're covered. Now, of course, it's going to cost you for the insurance. There's premium. The uh, expose showed that the banks were making millions and millions and millions of dollars in premium money off all this. And they had subtle loopholes. Um, and none of them did any payouts. Many people, well, I say many, maybe a half a dozen or something, uh, who actually the, uh, one, the, the partner died. And so they come to make a claim on the insurance and the bank turns them down. It's a poor, poor way to get insurance. They recommended that if you want a mortgage life insurance, go to a real life insurance company. Don't buy it through the banks. Now, that's a shocker for me. I thought the banks were being very honest with me. How do you like that? My, how naive I was. I never have bought life insurance from a bank, and now I never will. Um, some... Not all, but some multi-level marketing businesses require you to buy, in, buy your way into them or to pay huge fees or to buy and sell their expensive products. Products which you can find comparable quality for far less money elsewhere. Sometimes even the dollar store. Their products and services are all legal, but they're selling you on the idea of wealth. That's the whole idea. Uh, why most people get involved with MLM is they got this idea. Now, if you get these people under you and then they get those people under them, look at all the money you're going to get. And that's often the sales pitch for many MLMs. Uh, now, in order for swindlers to be successful, they need their victims to be something and they need their victims to have something. Now, what's the first thing their victims need to be? What is it? Gullible. What's the, uh, what is the second thing that the victims need to have? A desire to help others or a desire to help themselves. Right. Now, I want to talk for a moment about religious charlatans. This is all under the main heading of swindlers. You've heard of wolves in sheep's clothing. We read about it. Well, these guys are crooks and clerical callers. And there's a lot of them out there. Uh, in fact, in Matthew 21, Jesus rebuked the swindlers at church and he made a whip and drove them out. Those money changers, they were charging exorbitant fees and uh, they were really polluting the whole idea. And Jesus said, my, my uh, house shall be called a house of prayer. Ye have made it a den of thieves. That's where that term came from. Now, these religious charlatans are usually the big TV preachers and they suggest that God will heal you or bless you and, and that you'll become a millionaire if you'll send your donations into them. They say that donations are like seed faith money. Now that's a popular term today amongst many of the highfalutin charismatic TV rollers and preachers. And that term can be traced back to a man who originally sold the term to Oral Roberts. Don't know if Oral Roberts, if that name rings a bell with anyone, but he was one of those high, high profile guys that took in millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And he bought this idea off another religious charlatan, the idea of seed faith. You just plant a seed and it will grow and God will bless it. And listen, the bigger the seed, the bigger the blessing. 
And that was the angle that he came from. And other religious charlatans have followed. And people started sending in $100, $1,000, $5,000, and some much more than that. And what happened? The TV preachers became millionaires. That's what happened. Benny Hinn, I think, is an example of that. I have never seen so many um, things on the Internet shooting down Benny Hinn as I have this past year. Now, some of these uh, religious charlatans, believe it or not, I hate to say it, but are certain missionaries. None that we support, I can tell you that. We screen them pretty good. Um, there's a book that a, a preacher wrote in Florida, and he'd had 50 years experience in the ministry, and he'd had a lot of experience with different missionaries, and he wrote a book, and the book title was, Do You Support a Missionary or a Moochinary? And um, you have to read the book to understand, but the idea is there are actually men who will come in and want, want the church's money, and they don't do anything. They just kind of live a uh, vacation kind of life. And they send out letters and they tell of things they've done, that, which they haven't. And people that have been saved, which haven't been saved. They may get pictures of churches and say, I started these churches and they never did. And they're liars and they're swindlers. And uh, they're out there. And we've got a, a series of hoops that any missionary has to jump through in order to be supported by our church. And uh, we look very carefully at uh, all of these things. If we suspect that a missionary is, is a becoming a moochinary, we're going to look into that and we're going to take steps because we don't want God's money going to the wrong man. But there are missionaries like that out there. And there's organizations that set themselves up saying that they're going to do wonderful uh, things for the poor in, in far off countries and uh, just send in your donations here. And some of them are registered charities with uh, uh, CRA here in Canada. And they've got their uh, post office box and they, they send out their, their letters uh, begging for money to everyone they possibly can. And people who don't understand, haven't researched it, they say, oh, this man will go and give clean drinking water to these poor people over in this part of the world and preach the gospel to them. All right, here's my check. Here's my visa card number. And uh, I know one guy in particular, and uh, he lives in these parts. He's, he's in the lower mainland, and he rakes in the money this way. And so these are religious charlatans, and they specialize in what they do. Now, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop there, but it goes all the way up to certain organizations that control literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And their CEOs are multimillionaires. These are social gospel types. Some of these CEOs are making hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. There's one in particular. Uh, if I said the name of his organization, you'd say, I know that. We had people from his organization knock on my door. He makes $600,000 a year salary. You compare that with how much you make a year. Isn't that something? And he's doing it all in the name of God. You know what I say? I say, stop watching those TV ads. I stay, say, stop watching those programs. Stop listening to that uh, radio program because God has given you a local church through which you can reach the world with the gospel. There's a group of 15 Christian people in Ontario and they are currently asking Christians across Canada 
to give them tens of thousands of dollars so that they can get on a plane and take a trip to Haiti in order to give clothing and other things to the people there and to talk to them about the Lord. And um, these people can't even give a tax receipt. These are Christian, so-called Christian people making appeals to other Christians across Canada saying, this is what we want to do. We want to go to Haiti. We want to help these poor people. We want to help the church there. We want to preach the gospel. Send us your money. Send us so, the money so we can go. And uh, I learned about this and I looked into it. And you know what? Uh, it's just a big fat vacation is all it is. If these people would raise their own money to go, hey, no problem. But they're not doing that. They're wanting you and I to give thousands of dollars. It'll cost something like $20,000 to send 15 people on the plane all the way down there and they'll be there for a week or two and fly them back. It's probably upwards to 15,000, 20,000, something like that. They can't even give a tax receipt. Boy, I tell you, someone is going to be giving them money, someone gullible and someone with a desire to help others. But listen, the job of a local church is to preach the gospel. Amen? So the church in Haiti, there's apparently a Christian church in Haiti. Why can't that church preach the gospel to those people in that area? Why do 15 people from Ontario have to fly down to do the church's job for them? And if the 15 people wanted to uh, uh, take some food and some clothing, some, some different things and give it to the poor people, why can't they just stay in Ontario and send the money to that church? And that pastor then can purchase food and supplies and give it to the poor people. Why does it take this extra $15,000? Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's a swindle is what it is. You know, in order to protect against swindlers, you and I, we need to safeguard two areas of weakness. Number one, we need to say, stay humble and teachable and not gullible. We, we got to stop being gullible. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said we're to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves though, but wise as serpents. And I know someone who will give wisdom if we'll ask him. Number two, we need a desire to do God's will. It's nice if you have a desire to help others. I'm not throwing cold water on that. If you have a, some desire to help yourself, as long as it's carefully guarded, kept under the, the hand of the Lord, that's all right too. But I'll tell you what trumps all of that, and that is a desire to do God's will. If we'd get fixed on that more than on trying to help the other guy, I think that we would... We'd, we'd fare off a whole lot better. Beware of hard luck stories. Hard luck stories by swindlers. And I'll tell you something that happened to me. Back in the 80s, I, I was witnessing to a truck driver and I prayed with him. He prayed to be saved. Later, he called me up and said he needed some money for a couple weeks. He couldn't make his rent. And so, dumb me, I went to the bank and on a line of credit, I got $500 and I drove out to meet him. And he took the money, and I have never seen him since. <laughs> he disappeared with that money. Hmm. You know, I can't do anything about it. The law can't touch him. It's his word against mine. If somehow I could find him and get him in the court, maybe the judge would say, well, Pastor White, 
if you're silly enough to give them the money, maybe you need this hard lesson to teach you something. I never forgot it. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine in Ontario told me how he got a hard luck phone call from a woman who said that she was in desperate financial need and would, would he find it in his heart to loan her some money till payday? So we went over to see her and uh, before he uh, loaned her the money, he asked for some collateral. He thought that was a smart thing to do. And so with tears, the girl took off her mother's wedding ring and said, here, my mother's diamond wedding ring. And so he put that in his pocket and he gave her the, the money. The next day, he found out just how worthless that piece of junk was, you know, out of the five cent, whatever the thing was. And he never saw her or his money ever again. Now, I'd like you to take a look, please, at Second Peter chapter 2. Go there quickly, please. Second Peter chapter 2. Uh, let's see here. Verse 1, 2 Peter 2, verse 1, talks about those false prophets again. There they are. And in verse 3, it says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. See that? Underline those words, merchandise of you. That's what's going to happen to people who are gullible and people who have more a desire to help others and help themselves more a desire for that than for the will of God. What's the message here? We need to exercise self-control. Self-control, folks. Hey, in a month it's Christmas. Did you know that? How many knew that? Look at all the hands that didn't rise. Wow. Well, guess what? In a month it's Christmas. I wonder how many people are going to blow every dime they got for Uncle Zeke and Aunt Matilda and all of their 17,000 nieces and nephews and all of these things, and they're going to put themselves right square behind the eight ball, and the uh, stores are going to uh, sing at the cash registers and rub their hands with glee because uh, they managed to get all of our money and all of the money we don't have on credit card and things like that. And uh, we need to exercise self-control. You need to keep some money back. Do not spend all your money at Christmas time. Too many Canadians spend it all and then we'll, they'll spend 2019 to pay it all off. Come Christmas 2019, you know what they'll do? All over again. And they'll buy expensive gifts too for one for another. Listen, that's why God invented dollar stores. That's why we have those things is so that we can go and buy Huey, Dewey, and Louie, you know, a lollipop and a, you know, a little squirt gun or something, and we've spent $3. Well, that's great. You know, don't spend 500 bucks. Remember the PEF? You remember that? We did that for a few years, didn't we? What is PEF? Personal Emergency Fund. And you ought to have at least $500 sitting in your PEF. Uh, many uh, financial experts advise that you have a thousand dollars stuffed away somewhere in a bank account or in a, under a mattress or someplace where you can get your hands on it if um, you know your hot water tank goes or if your stove or if you, you need something for your car or some kind of emergency then you've got the cash don't go to the credit card you've got cash now if you are flat busted and you don't have any kind of uh, savings then you need to get serious with god 
and start crying out to God. Say, Lord, I'm in a predicament. I'm on thin ice. If the the ice should crack, I'm going down. And you need to cry out to God. And there's lots of good help out there. Well, we got to hurry up. Let's move on. Let's take a look at the crooks. Now, we've looked at the swindlers. Swindlers are these thieves, and they operate under the protection of the law. Either the law uh, allows them these loopholes, or maybe the law, they've come up with an ingenious way that the law hasn't covered yet, something like in Albania. But the crooks, these are the ones that totally operate outside of the law. It's totally illegal. Now, take your basic garden variety thief. He or she will rob you when you don't realize it, when you're looking the other way, and they have no legal protection whatsoever. Now, I've just come back from Castlegar, as you know, and we had a wonderful missions conference there, by the way. God wonderfully blessed, and even though that church had lost four good families from people moving away, God gave them a miracle, and their missions giving went up. Now, if that isn't of the Lord, I don't know what is. They had a great miracle happen. They're able to take on more missionaries now, even with fewer people. So only God could do that. But something interesting, I got talking to the flight attendant uh, in the plane going going there, and I I had uh, a little kind of a handbag that I had my stuff in, and then I had a suitcase. That was all I had. But I brought my little handbag with me, and uh, she said that I had to stow that. Um, that means you got to stuff it someplace. And then anyhow, in the conversation, she got telling me about ladies who would stow their purses in the seat underneath them. They're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to stow it in the seat in front of them. And so she said, and she'd been working the airlines for many years, and she said, this is what happened. The ladies would put their purse underneath them, and then later, after they got off the plane they realized they'd been robbed because the people behind, oh, look what's here, and they would reach in and take things out of their purse. Boy, those are crooks if you ask me. In 2010, my wife and I went to Israel, and as we were standing there observing some of the beautiful scenery, my wife looked down just in time to see a man's hand trying to get into her purse. And she yelped and hit him, his hand, and jumped away. And that guy, like a scared rabbit, took off into the underbrush. Those are crooks. They're all over the place. And we've got plenty of them right here in Syria. We've had crooks come into our church. You know that. And that's why we put up signs, don't leave valuables in the coat room there. Uh, keep your purses with you. Because you never know, someone that comes in, you know, and they sit there for the church services, and then uh, they get up and they leave before things are over, and we've caught them doing this, going through things. And so that's why we've got men now stationed. And uh, praise the Lord for our men who uh, work as security here in our church to protect us and keep us safe. But folks, remember, ultimately, it's a personal responsibility. So keep your valuables uh, close to you um, or um, uh, leave them at home. But anyhow, this is the reason why we lock our doors in our houses and our cars. And by the way, if you drive a car and you come here, make sure your car door is locked. It's happened over the last few years where crooks have come by in the parking lot and they just check for open doors. And someone had some things stolen out of their car a couple years ago because they left their car door unlocked. This is Surrey. This is not heaven. So lock your doors. This is why we street-proof our children. 
uh, praise the Lord that we've got our men who, um, who help us in this area. And we only need them because of the crooks. That's why. Uh, but, you know, that's not all. We have today, we've got a guard against identity theft as well, especially on the Internet. You've got to be watching about that. We, we can even get what's called ransomware on our computers. And that means that our computer's locked up, and we have to call a number and pay by Bitcoin, uh, a couple hundred bucks or something, for them to unlock our computers. And then there are the crooks that operate uh, in public, uh, but make themselves uh, look like honest people. And these people, we hear about it in connection with Craigslist. There's more and more people getting robbed off Craigslist. Crooks that come and give phony payment. All right, here's my check or here's my certified check. Okay, that looks good. Here's my car. Take it. They take off with your car and then the check bounces. And this is thievery. Some crooks use a bait-and-switch tactic. They show you a beautiful-looking car or product, something you want to buy, or they promise you a high-quality job, a service job, and so you pay the money, and then you get something substandard. That happens. Then you try to take them to court, and it's very expensive and very fruitless. Some crooks are very high-profile people. They dupe thousands of gullible investors out of their life savings. Just a couple years ago, one of the worst, the world's worst or greatest, whatever you want to call him, his name was Bernie Madoff. He was a high, high-profile investment man, but he was a crook is what he was. And what he did was absolutely illegal. It was a Ponzi scheme like the likes of which the world has never seen. $60 billion stolen from people. And there were a number of suicides because of it. People whose entire life savings were wiped out by this one crook who lived a flamboyant lifestyle. It's not so flamboyant now. He's in jail. But still, there are all kinds of people from around the world that have been affected by Bernie Madoff. Some of these crooks will live in Europe or China or India or Africa, and they'll play upon gullible and greedy people. Sometimes they'll call us up and leave messages on our phone saying they're from the Canada Revenue Agency, and I just got another one the other day, and they say there's a warrant been issued for our arrest because we owe a huge amount of money in taxes. You know what you ought to do is ignore those things. Those things just, just hang up, erase the number, block the number on your phone, whatever, but do not respond to those crooks because they are very savvy and they know what they're doing. Just leave them be. Some crooks pretend to be wealthy people and they want to give you several million dollars. I've got in my office several letters from Madame Obi-Wan Kenobi from some place in the world and her late husband died and, and left her with this uh, 15.5 million dollar US. Now she discovers that she's dying and she wants to give it to you so that she, you know, you can use it to help people in the future. And so you say, well, I could use $15 million. Well, there's gullibility and there's a desire to, you know, for yourself, better yourself. And so you respond to this lady who happens to be a man 
uh, someplace in the world, and then he'll tell you, great, you know, uh, the money is yours, but I just need a little bit of money to free it up, you know, so if you could send me $1,000. So then, you, okay, 1000 bucks, I'll get $15 million back, here's your 1000 They say, oh, that's great, only we've had another little problem, we're going to need another 1000 And they'll string you along until you, you, they've cleaned you out of everything you've got. Some gullible people have even gone and put second mortgages on their homes in order to pay these, these crooks. Now, the RCMP tells me that this type of, of, of crookery, thievery, uh, often originates in Nigeria. And it's called a Nigerian 419, 419 scam. Now, they were very popular a few years ago, and uh, people uh, overseas, not just from Nigeria, but in different places of India and China and Europe, and actually some even in North America, the RCMP tells me that sometimes they're even operated by Hell's Angels right here in the greater Vancouver area. So they say, just have nothing to do with it. You know, steer, steer clear of that stuff. <clears throat> if something sounds too good to be true, you got it. Turn back a few pages to Hebrews. Just a few pages back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And I'd like you to read verse 5. Hebrews 13 verse 5. We're going to read it out loud together, okay folks? Hebrews 13 5. Let's go. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, how do we safeguard against these swindlers? There's your answer right there. Be content. Be content with your job. Be content with your income. Be content with what God's given you and blessed you with. You know, that's the, the lottery plays upon suckers. The lottery looks for gullible people. And people with a desire to, you know, live the high life. And that's all they're advertising. That's all they do is they show you people. They show you actors is what they show you. These people in those commercials are not millionaires. Otherwise, they wouldn't be working for a living. These are actors that they pay a few thousand dollars to come in and play the part of millionaire people. And they show them, you know, with beautiful backgrounds and on yachts and in planes and mansions and so on. These people are just normal, poor people like us, but they're actors playing a part. And it's all just a scam just to get more money, more money, more money out of us. And so the worst thing you can do is to be out there playing the lottery. That's just one more of these scams. Be content. Be content with what you've got. Uh, listen, God's method is prayer and hard work over time will bring blessings. But no one seems to want to believe that anymore. No one seems to want to buy into that. And unfortunately, we've got young people graduating out of universities and colleges, and all that's on their mind is, all right, who's going to give me? Start me off at 100,000. Do I hear 100,000? Do I hear 100,000? Who give me 100? Okay, all right, 95. I'll take 95,000. Anyone? 95,000, 95? Okay, well, 90,000. I'll take 90,000. Who give me 90,000? Okay, 80,000, anyone? Do I hear 80,000? 70,000. This is my, my last offer. 70,000. Who will hire me for 70,000? And then the offer comes in. I'll hire you at minimum wage plus some commission. And that's the only offer that comes in. You see, now these people that have huge university bills, and I got a personal bone to pick with a lot of the 
modern ways of universities and colleges and how they charge 40, 50, 80, $100,000. Some of these poor uh, young people that have gone through and essentially mortgaged their lives in order to get a degree and they owe in loans 40, 50, 60, $80,000 and now they, all they can get are, are low paying jobs. Very few of them get these high power jobs, very few of them. But that's the illusion, the illusion. Many years ago, I remember in Ontario, there was a college that was uh, giving the, the impression to young men to come and learn uh, appliance repair. Learn appliance repair. Man, there's big bucks in appliance repair. Boy, you're going to roll in dough. Well, unfortunately, I know something about appliance repair. I don't know as much as I used to know, but I, at that time I knew more and I knew there ain't big bucks in appliance repair. You work hard, you incur a lot of uh, responsibility, and you just make a meager living. And yet these guys thought that when they graduated, they were going to get jobs for these big companies and manufacturers, and they were going to drive brand new vehicles and have brand new gold-plated tools, and they're going to make all this kind of money. And it was all a sham. And I couldn't believe it. It was a, 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 a college in Toronto that was giving them this impression. And I thought, oh, are they ever in for a big surprise? Wow. Uh, th that's, that's the world we live in, isn't it? If we would just learn to be content. Now, we're just about done here, folks. There's so much more we could say about swindlers and crooks, uh, but I think you get the idea. I think you get the idea of what we're talking about. The two things in order for a scheme to work. The swindlers need two things. They need you to be what? Gullible, and they need you to have a desire either to help someone else or to help yourself. And if you have those two things, you are prime target for a swindler. Uh, and the swindler will come as a professional. They'll come as a stranger. They could even come as a friend or a next door neighbor. Maybe they themselves have been duped and they want to bring you into it. And they think that this is great. And they don't realize that, uh, hey, there's a cliff out there and you're getting closer and closer and you're never going to get your money back. But uh, all this kind of stuff is happening, 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 and we need to protect against it. But before we leave this subject, before we close, we have to take a short look at the spiritual side of thievery. We've looked at the physical side. We need to look at the spiritual side. Number one, Satan will try to swindle you from your devotional time so that you will not get the blessings of God. And he will lure you and he will tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that. You don't have time to spend with God. Uh, you'll make up for it later on down the road in a, in a few months time. In a couple of years, you'll have lots more time. You'll be able to have lots of closet prayer time with God then. That is a lie. That is of the devil. He'll do anything he can to stop you from getting alone with God and praying. Because even the weakest saint, when he or she gets on her knees, causes Satan to tremble. Because it's God's power now. When you and I take that time, make that time, do anything to protect that time, special time in the morning with God, it makes Satan scared. Because now it's not you he's fighting against. Now it's God he's fighting against. And Satan will do anything he can to swindle you out of your precious time to read the Bible and pray. Number two. Oh, listen, I was going to give you a scripture. 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, 
as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's, believe me, one of the first things to go is in his swindle is your devotional time. After that, it'll be your church attendance. Number two, some Christian married people try to swindle what rightfully belongs to their spouse. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. Now that means your spouse owns your arms. And if your wife says, put those arms around me, bud, then they belong to her. And uh, ma'am, if your husband says, I, I want those, those arms around me and I want your two lips on this cheek right here, then they belong to him. That's what the Bible teaches, is that each owns the other. And when one will say, oh, not tonight, I have a headache. Oh, no, no, I, I don't want to. No, no, when you start acting better and treating me nicer, then I'll give you my arms. Then, then I'll, I'll plant a kiss on your, your, your cheek. When you start treating me better, this is called defrauding. Defrauding. Defraud ye not one another. The Bible says, except it be with consent for a time. Why would you do that? Why would a married couple, a husband and wife, not uh, enjoy each other's arms for a period of time? It says in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come again, come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. If you're going to pray, stay away from each other's arms. If you're going to pray and fast, you know, stay separate. But then when your fasting is done, your praying is done, come together and hug. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. The word due means something you owe. If you're in a union, what do you pay? Dues. Why do they call them dues? Because they're not don'ts. They're dues because you owe them. Those are your dues. And so the husband is to render unto the wife due benevolence. He owes benevolence to his wife. And likewise also the wife unto the husband. And so here you can get kind of spiritual thievery going on within a marriage. Imagine that. Husbands and wives that, that are grumpy at each other, upset with each other, and don't come near me. You sleep on your side of the bed, and I'm going to sleep over here. And who wins? Satan. Satan and the lawyers. Hmm? Satan is the winner. And so we have to be very careful, folks. We can't be gullible for the devil's dupes. We have to be wise. And thirdly, some Christian people try to swindle what rightfully belongs to God. There's a, a couple verses that are still in the Bible today in Malachi 3. And it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now think for a minute. Supposing a crook came into your home tonight while you're at church and stole your computer and your TV. Well, 
uh, you'd croak when you got home. What? We've been broken into. The computer's gone. The TV's gone. Oh, it's the end of life as we know it. But then you found out who the crook was. Oh, look, he left a business card. <laughs> so you call him up. Uh, is this the crook? He says, yes. Can I help you? <laughs> well, I'm so-and-so. Uh, did you steal my computer and my TV? Um, I might have, he says. And then you say, well, I tell you what, you bring it back and I'll bless you. You bring it back and I'll open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Is that what you would say to the crook? Most people wouldn't. Most people would say, you get that thing back here before I haul you in a court and sue you and they'll throw, throw away the key, buddy. You get that thing back here tonight. That's what we would tend to do. Now, God says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. He says, if you'll bring them back, I'll open to you the windows of heaven. How about that? Isn't God wonderful? God puts an appeal out to all of the Christian crooks and says, bring all the tithes and offerings in, and I will reward you for your honesty and your faith. I'll bless you for it. Well, there are many more things we could say, but I think we get the idea. And I think we realize that not all of the crooks and all of the swindlers are hell-bound wicked people. I think we realize that. But here's the bottom line, folks, for you and for me. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom and keep your guard up. Pray for wisdom that you don't be gullible. Pray for wisdom so that you can see things through. You know, if someone says, this is a great deal, it's the best deal ever, you better buy it now or it's gone forever. A good deal is going to be around tomorrow too, you know that? Did you know? And by the way, have you noticed that for Black Friday, they say, boy, you got to get in for Black Friday, get these deals or you're going to miss them. Now they come out with, what is it, Red Saturday? for all those who've missed Black Friday? Is that what they call it? It's, they got a name for it. What's the color? Oh, now, yeah, right. Then they got the Monday. They, they continue the Black Friday. They, they got colors for every day of the week, I think. And it's all marketing. It's all to get your money. And uh, I, I've seen it. You've seen it. Black Friday was such a success. We're holding it over the weekend. Ah, oh, listen, if it's a good deal today, it'll be a good deal tomorrow. Be wary of the guy that says, oh, you got to jump on the bandwagon now or you're going to be lost. All your friends are going to make it big, but you'll, you'll lose. Well, then hooray for my friends. You know, that'll blow them out the door. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Please pray for wisdom. Number two, stay humble. Stay humble and dependent and close to God every day. People who pray for wisdom and stay humble do not get into trouble. Not like others who are gullible and, and just have desires. Number three, ask God to help you not fall into temptation. Let's bow our heads for prayer.